Yo, welcome back, everybody. We've taken a long break, but you know, you gotta take time to enjoy the holidays. You don't really wanna record podcasts. You wanna spend time with your family, mm-hmm. enjoy your gifts. We got a white Christmas, it was snowing. Go outside, take some nice photos. Yeah, this is quite true, you know, make some money on Bitcoin, all the good things that you do over the holidays. Oh, great, great things. I made <laughs> a lot of money. So how much money have you made so far? I don't want to tell people how much money I have in Bitcoin because, you know, when I become a Bitcoin millionaire or billionaire, I don't want like, you know, those cousins I've never heard of calling <laughs> me like, hey, yeah, uh, you know? Yeah. Oh, I got to keep it on the low. Those cousins. I feel that. But yeah, we hope you guys had a really good holiday and are having a good new year, you know, considering. <laughs> I mean, I guess for context, we're recording this on Wednesday, January the 6th. And it's been an interesting day, to say the least. Very interesting. Not surprising at all, though. No. It's so funny because I feel like at the beginning of the day, we woke up to some really good Georgia news and, you know, Democrats were leading in the polls. And then it just slowly started to fall apart. (laughs) I don't necessarily consider everything that happened today bad. Maybe just because I'm on Twitter a lot. I think it's safe to say a lot of black people were sitting back with a smile on their face (laughs) as the events of today unfolded. Not necessarily because we like the violence or Mm -hmm. the, you know, the riots or whatever that went on. But it's kind of, it's a little bit of poetic justice when black people have been called looters and thugs and whatnot for um, protesting their rights. Their rights just exist. And now you have on national television some... Trump supporters storming the U.S. Capitol, breaking the windows. It's like, huh, interesting. I thought we were the the, <laughs> the thugs, thugs. And the, the criminals, but yeah, it's funny because there. I mean, there are definitely those people, and I'm one of them who's just kind of enjoying this, as our brother says, white on white crime. <laughs> but I, I do think there is a there is a level of uh, deep seated infuriation, infuriatedness. I'm not sure what the <laughs> what the right um, verb is, but I am infuriated, and I think many people are. I think that's a lot of what I'm seeing on Instagram, which is essentially just people taking photos of tweets and resharing <laughs> them. Um, Everything starts on Twitter first. It's true, but it's infuriating. It, it feels like a slap in the face. I mean, more than that, it's like you have people talking about their experiences back in June and protesting and the way that they were treated by the police, some people, you know, severely so, and the fact that they're just watching this happen and see nothing happen to these people, it like it makes your blood boil. Like, you where's know? the tear gas? Where's the rubber bullets? You know, you guys got batons, use them. All of it. And it's like, it makes, I was talking to a friend earlier, she's like, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, but how is it that somehow they were understaffed and somehow they made it over this wall and somehow, like, and I was talking to another, and even another friend from Michigan and she's like, yeah, like when I visited Capitol Hill, They yell at you for even getting close to the steps, (laughs) like not even getting on them, let alone barging in. And yet somehow that was all able to happen. It it, makes you think that there's like some sort of conspiracy happening or something. I think in this case, at least it was mostly because like it's just a larger amount of people trying to storm the building. Like people are literally climbing up like fences and whatnot. But I think they probably had a lot of people um, who went to like escort the senators out of the building. Mm hmm. And they're focusing on that, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I don't understand how the whole vice president was in there, and no one was calling this any sort of act of terrorism, or like the fact that people wearing literal Nazi shirts were taking selfies with the police. 
Like it's just, it's like so in your face. Um, but anywho, I did appreciate, you know, Tamika Mallory saying, you know, black people stand back and stand by. This ain't our fight. <laughs> like let them sort themselves out. Um, this temper tantrum that's happening because the president decided that the election results were somehow false. I, I don't know. I realized this past week is there's going to be a lot of things in 2021 that hasn't really changed from previous year. And I guess a lot of us went into the new year's thinking, you know, 2021, 2020 is over. You know, things are going to be different. Things are going to be better. Things are going to be looking up. But I don't think that's really going to be the case. And I think this week is just a lot more proof of that. We thought 2020 was bad, but we're not even a week into January. <laughs> and, you know, Trump supporters have literally stormed the U.S. Capitol. Like, when has that really ever happened in American history? Yeah. This is one for the history books. The history books were written in crayon, might I add. <laughs> okay, why in crayon? I was watching this video and it was like, oh, it was um the Netflix thing. It was Death to 2020, this parody. And it was like the events that have happened in 2020, like, deserve to be written in crayon in like a book that should never, like, just the, just the sheer foolery of it all. Like, it's just... It's just, anyway, I was listening to um, Archwell Audio, the podcast by the Duke and Duchess, and they were talking about, or well, they had a guest on who, I forget who it was, some notable person, and he was like, 2020 has been one of the worst years of my life, and I'm 73, and I can say that. Like, he's lived through a lot of things, and he's like, it's just... I mean, even World War II? Right. And he was just like, it, it just, it takes precedence and i i agree i i um i don't know if i'd agree it's worse than world war ii well that that seems a little yeah (laughs) but um i don't know about that one (laughs) maybe that's more contested but what i do find interesting is like i'd made a mini rant on instagram because and i usually don't kind of go on instagram and just talk about stuff but i did feel like people went into this year thinking everything's fine and i also think towards the end of last year you know, people went back to their lives and activism kind of died and yada, yada, yada. And now it's like this reminder of, oh, shoot, we're still in we're still in that world. We still live in that society where these things happen. There is this great inequality. And I was just kind of saying, like, nothing's going to change. Like, nothing has changed. Like, it's New Year, same stuff. Like, it's it's never going to actually change until people are consistently and actively calling these things out and getting educated and doing stuff about it. You know, white supremacy doesn't just go anywhere because the clock strikes 12 and it's no. 2021. Actually, quick side note, if this person's 73, he would have been like three years old at the beginning of, or at the end of World War II. Mm. So I guess it does make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I crazy. love that it's you like, came back to that. <laughs> it's been, I don't know, a, a, that long. Mm-hmm. I'm just flies. I remember 1999 like it was yesterday. Wow. I still remember the turn of the millennium and New Year's, but anyways. I also think it's worth noting that what's particularly unique about what's happening now is that I don't think there's ever been, like, obviously the reason why all these Trump supporters stormed Capitol Hill is because they've been given reason to do so by the president himself, you know, like, Obviously, white supremacy, white privilege, all those things have existed. 
But the difference is like the person who's still in power for at least a couple more weeks, like directly incited that. He's the one who directly put in these seeds of division and this notion that like the election was rigged. And the thing is, even after he's gone, that false truth will not leave people. People are still convinced that the election was rigged. People are still convinced, you know, I want to say a good chunk of the country is still convinced that he should be president right now. And some of those people are in Canada. And like, that's the part that really gets me. It's the fact that even when he leaves his quote legacy or the residue of that abomination that was that administration is still sticking around. Well, if there's one upside to what he did, and we see that in the results for Georgia's election, is that he put someone's mistrust into the election process that a lot less Republicans are actually going to vote. Really? Yeah, there are a lot of Republicans who were, maybe I shouldn't even call them Republicans, a lot of Trump supporters who are saying, like, or spreading the message to boycott the vote. And there are a lot of people who are like, well, why are you going to do that? Like, like, no, this is a time we need to go out and vote so that the Democrats don't control the Senate. Like, they did have a majority. They didn't have enough of a majority to actually win, or at least with the way Georgia's elections run. Like, it has to be over, like, a certain percentage. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, Republicans vote more than Democrats. Right. So, but then they just, the amount of, like, new registered voters that they managed to sign up in Georgia right after the election, like, that's literally the only reason they won. They managed to go out and get more voters. And when the president sows a lot of distrust in the election system, there's definitely going to be a lot of people who are like, why am I voting? This is rigged. Very interesting. Um, There was a tweet that was like, after Friday or whenever the confirmation goes through, all the Confederate statues need to be replaced with states, with statues of Stacey Abrams. And I completely agree. <laughs> I'm like, she single-handedly did that for Georgia. Um, but that's interesting. And I don't know, like, to speak to what you're saying, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, on one hand, do I want more people like Trump voting for more people like Trump? Obviously not. But on the other hand, I think as somebody who, you know, supports democracy and the law, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, people are exercising the democratic right not to vote. It's more so that because, OK, I remember Trevor Noah said something a while ago and he did an interview with The Breakfast Club, one of his first, which I think everyone should go watch because it's so good. Also, I love Trevor Noah. Um, but he was saying, you know, this was again years ago, I think back in 2016, maybe he was talking to The Breakfast Club about. You know, oftentimes when people say racist things or their racist tweets or whatever come to light after a long time, what happens to them? You know, they get fired or this happens or that happens. But he was like, where do they go? Like, where do all these people go? If you were a racist billionaire who has now been removed as the CEO of whatever company, like what happens to you? And the reality is, like, you stay being a racist billionaire, but now you're just angry or, you know, it's like what happens to all these people who get canceled and fired and all this kind of stuff, they mobilize and that doesn't do anything productive. I think it creates more of these, like, notions of a deep state and all these conspiracies. Like, it, I think it just further divides the country. So the fact that there are people who, yes, are demo- are 
are exercising their democratic rights to not vote. I think it just, I don't think it does anything good in terms of the divisiveness that exists. I think it further perpetuates that idea. I look at it this way. Regardless if they vote or not, that act of voting isn't going to change their mind. So I'm just looking at this purely at, like, I'm just looking at this purely through the lens of what the effect of their voting or not voting has. And whether they vote or not, they're still going to think the same way. So in my mind, if people who, what's a not rude way to say this? (laughs) If you are the kind of person that could actually believe the rhetoric that the president of the United States puts out, then I think it is better for the rest of the world if you don't vote. (laughs) And like no one's rights are being taken away. And I don't think them not voting is going to like, I don't know, push them further in or something. No, no, no. They're so far in that they've chosen not to vote. Yes, I, I, so I, I don't, I don't think there's any downside to it. Yes, I hear that completely, and I, I, I agree. I think just when I'm, I'm more so just thinking out loud of like, what are the ramifications of a president who has convinced people that democracy is so, you know, or or that the election process is so unfaithful or so unreliable and illegitimate that. It's not even worth voting. Like, I'm just thinking about the aftermath of this because. Well, again, because at the end of the day, it's only a certain group of people who have been convinced that. And I think if you're in a place where you someone can convince you that you should not vote, then I don't think you should be voting. I don't think you're informed enough to make a good (laughs) decision when you actually vote. Yeah, I think it's perfectly fine that they're not voting. I agree. I don't think there's any bad. I think it's only positive, to be honest. It's less about voting in general and, again, more so about the residue of the Trump administration. That's really what I'm speaking to. It's it's less about people voting or not voting, and it's more so about holistically in general because ultimately we're talking about the fact that things aren't just ch- magically changed from, you know, six days ago till now. And that's the point that I'm trying to make because even after, again, this presidency comes to a close, we still are dealing with a great majority, or not a great majority, but a significant amount of people who are now in this divisive and problematic place. And again, some of those people I saw, I literally was driving off our street and like saw this person with Trump flags from the wazoo of their car. It's like, it's it's all over North America. And in many parts of the other, uh, many other parts of the world too. And so I'm just speaking more towards, and this isn't even a question, maybe just more so a statement and just thinking out loud, but I just feel like I don't hear many people talking about what is going to be, rem- what is left over from the presidency, because that's what we saw today on the steps of Capitol Hill and then the whole terrorist attack that lit- or the terrorist incident that literally happened. That is the ramification of what Trump has left over, and no one's really talking about that. I think that, well, two things. I think one, we have this false notion that, you know, Trump created this like huge divide in the country. I believe the divide was already there. The only the thing that Trump- The divide there, but the fake news was Well, hold not. up, hold up. I think when you look at Trump's election and how he actually won, there is no way that he would have gotten the popularity that he did especially over other more established Republican candidates, if that divide wasn't already there. I think Trump was just their perfect leader. He was the person who was actually saying the things 
that people have always wanted to say, but you know, they are too PC to actually say. I think he's just their voice. So I don't think it's really, I don't think he's divided the country further. I think the country was already that divided and he just came out, he just happened to be the right person to lead the party because he has all the ideals that they actually want. And when you talk about like the ramifications, to be honest, I think the ramifications are a little bit overstated because especially in these final moments where Trump has kind of like distanced himself from other Republican leaders, he's condemned like how many um, Republican senators who haven't fallen in line. Like look what he said about Mike Pence this morning. Clearly him and the vice president are not on the same page. Maybe it would have had a a longer lasting effect if he hadn't spent the last like few months since November pretty much attacking any Republican who didn't fall in line. So at the end of the day, he's going to be out of office and he's going to be out of a job. He's not going to become like a senator or have any other political position. But he may try to run again in four years. He's not going to win, though. I mean, we don't know that. (laughs) He didn't win this time. There's no way he's going to win again. Like even for him to like for him to run again, it would be ridiculously hard without Republican support. Also, we have to remember that he could end up going for jail jail for a bunch of things. That part, too. But yeah, like I don't. Think... Although he may be able to preemptively pardon himself, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But whatever. No, because to preemptively pardon yourself, you'd have to admit that you committed a crime. Yes, but I've been looking into the legal aspect of it, and there is technically, possibly, a handful of ways that he could, you know, like pre, like even preemptively say that if he was to be able, like, there's so many loopholes. Around I don't believe it. he can. I looked into Trust this too, me. and I think, <laughs> and one thing again, like he can only preemptively, like, I'm pretty. Can't can't he only do that for a crime that he like? That's let's say what I they can uncover too. new crimes. You can't just That's you can't just say that too, like okay, but... I'm like any crime that I commit, like. I'm parting myself for that forever. Like again, that's what I thought too. But there are some interesting. I I don't know. I don't know how it all works, and I wouldn't. But I wouldn't be surprised if he said, again, like the way immunity works. Like he would have to like anything that he does, you'd have to prove that it wasn't done in line with his role as an acting president or as an as a state official and all this kinds. Of, like there is a high burden to actually prosecute a non incumbent president. It's not just like that easy, but I, and I thought, okay, like he would have to have committed the crime or at least admitted to like, but I don't know the way that their stuff is set up is just real different. And they haven't really had situations where this is a possibility and the executive and the legislative branch and I feel like the presidency that would are, end up being on. ruled by the Supreme court. The way that I was reading about it was if it was to happen, it's just not Like the system isn't set up in a way that it would necessarily be guaranteed to favor justice. No. So that it's just it's such a sticky situation. But then again, like wouldn't something like that end up going to the Supreme Court? Maybe, but it depends on so many things, and things just get messy. But because there is like there's no precedent, right? So it's not as if there's any past like legal case they can draw upon to make their decision yeah i can't imagine any judge would ever want to be the one who gave the president of the united states the ability to pardon himself from any crime future past or present no obviously but i mean even the supreme court right let's say he can't pardon himself or whatever and then he does something and it gets to that level 
The other thing, too, is like even with the pardoning power, it's only a federal pardon. So he can still be prosecuted on a state level, which people often forget. Oh, well, only being prosecuted by the state of New York. But again, if things go to the Supreme Court, which is majority conservative at this point, it'd be really interesting to see what happens. Even as majority conservative, I do not believe there's any chance that... I have no faith in the U.S. system, like none. So nothing surprises <laughs> me. Nothing would surprise I, me. At the end of the day, I think they're still judges. And yeah. I think to some degree, like they'll still do the job well. And especially because there is nothing like... With an They o. can't be fired. So it's like they can do whatever the hell they want. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what will happen. I don't think any of us do. I just, I don't have faith that justice will prevail. And if it comes down to Trump going to jail and him not going to jail for a many a thing, I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't really see it happening either, but it is a possibility. I just don't yeah. see it. I don't see it happening that he would somehow pardon himself and be off the hook. Yeah, I don't know. Just think about like think about his ego. For him to pardon himself means he has to admit to the world he committed a crime. I don't know that he does, but again, I haven't. Whether he does or not, it's still that's still going to be implied. Yeah, but I don't know. The psychology of that man is questionable. So, so before we go any further, we did just want to say we're really excited that in season two. We now have a way that you guys can support us, all our lovely listeners. We use an app called Anchor to upload and distribute this podcast. And so if you want to support us, you can actually click on the link that's in this description. That allows you to make a small donation or a monthly subscription. And that supports our podcast. It allows us to do so much more. And we are doing a lot more in season two. So if you would like to support us, the link is in the bio. And we are welcoming it. Well, continuing with the trend of things that are going to stay the same in 2021. Unfortunately, the pandemic isn't over. Honestly, it's so funny because, I mean, it's not it's not funny at all. But I, I definitely think that I allowed people to, you know, feel all this hope about how the vaccine's coming out and things will get better. And maybe by the middle of this year, we could see one another again. And then, you know, the UK entered into another lockdown or a nationwide lockdown. We're still in our lockdown. And then what's worse, the vaccine that they gave to all these people in the UK, because of the second lockdown, it, the second dose is being delayed for 12 weeks, which then drops the efficacy by, I think, 57%. Yikes. And it's not looking good. Hell, they have COVID-20 out there. Yep. I would not want to be in the UK right now. Nope. It's, um, yeah, it's really unfortunate. And, and the, the tricky part about that is, one, because of that lack of efficacy and all these people you've now almost more or less wasted a vaccine dosage on, it will inevitably decrease people, like, I mean, the general public's view of the vaccine because it's less of, like, you know what I mean? The, all these, like, repercussions that are apparently impending because of it so you delay more people being immune and then you also i don't know i think just make more people feel like oh but i mean on the plus side of things um i think about a million people in the u.s have been vaccinated already 
that's a win for them if you can give them one. And I know a lot of people here are starting to be vaccinated too. So maybe we just look away from the UK for a while. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Man, I just realized I'm like, I was really hoping to see some Marvel movies in theater this year, but like, we have to wait till next year. You might. Like, could you imagine? Like, we were supposed to watch Black Widow. It was like May 2020. Yeah. And it's like, how, how could you watch a trailer like that? And then, go, <laughs> no, we're waiting two years to watch this movie. Although I feel like it's kind of fitting. You know, they waited so long to give her her own movie, and now it's just delayed. <laughs> yeah, it's just delayed even longer. Yeah. Like, by the time the movie comes out, people are like, Black Widow, who? Shook. We <laughs> forgot about her after we killed her off in Endgame. Oh, I still can't believe they did that. Yeah, they did her dirty. They did her give her a real very funeral. dirty. No one ever, no one, no one, and no one talked about it since. Like, nope. Ugh. What a patriarchal society we live in. But I guess we do have Spider Man to look forward to. And what's we looking do. like, we're going to get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Listen, I tweeted that very early on, and everyone was like, that's not confirmed. And now that it's. Okay, but it wasn't confirmed. Well, it, okay, it's still not confirmed. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, when you have, like, we have J.K. Simmons. We have, well, he's confirmed already because he showed up in the last movie. And then um, the guy who played Doc Ock is now confirmed. You have, what's that black guy's name again? Samuel L. Jackson? No. The one who, why can't I remember his name? <laughs> he sings and he acts. Okay, come on. <laughs> That's horrible. He played, okay, he played the villain. He played um, the electric villain guy or whatever in. The last Andrew Garfield movie, Spider-Man movie. Oh God, I he don't. Ray Charles, like, why can't I remember his name? Those he's movies a very are... good. Is very good impression. Those movies were not memorable for me. Why can't I remember this guy's name? Wait, also this is so random, but like, don't you forget that Andrew Garfield's British? <laughs> like two I out of the. I completely forgot he was British. Two out of the three Spider-Mans are not even American. Yeah, he's going to get COVID-20 and he's going to develop real powers. Stop this. Oh, okay. It was Jamie Foxx. That's who I was thinking Are of. you <laughs> kidding me? You forgot Jamie Foxx? I had, I knew there was an X the or two audacity. in his name. And I just, I, I remember his face. So I just couldn't put his name. I just couldn't remember his name. The yes, nerve. I remember Jamie Foxx was confirmed from the movie, but I didn't take in that he was actually in one of the Spider-Man movies. So I'm like, oh. That's like three people confirmed from older Spider-Man movies who are now in this one. Like they're definitely gonna get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. If not, it'd be a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I mean that would be nice. I feel like I don't know where they would go in terms of the story, and because I feel like because well the multiverse. Yeah, but I guess like those two weren't part of the MCU, and their movies weren't either. Well, I think <laughs> they this were still way, Sony. Um, like, okay, I think of, like, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. They had, they had, like, they weren't, they were all in different universes, but they all crossed over. Less about that, more about the, like, ownership, because at the time of, like, the first and second Spider-Man. Oh, no, okay, so yeah. Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man. Correct. But they made Spider-Man in collaboration with Marvel, so. Yeah. No, I understand that. I guess I just thought, like, they weren't in the same like franchise or world so like is it just now assumed that they are all part of the mcu do you know what i mean like it just seems weird like they're going they're most likely gonna have something where i don't know different worlds cross that's my theory they're gonna have something where different worlds cross over 
Like, that's like the whole multiverse theory. But the multiverse theory is more of a DCU thing than an MCU thing. No, it definitely happened in the MCU plenty of times in the comic. Yeah. Oh, There's definitely multiple versions of different characters that have like crossed over. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for it. But again, it might not be for a while. <laughs> Thank you.